I got a friend of the show, Kosher Brew, and he checked in with me on Twitter the other day, and he said, Brian, I got a great idea and a game that you should address on your Brew and Basketball Nostalgia Tour. He said, recap the Final Four between UCLA and LSU in 2006, that contest. This was just a... He was reading my mind. This 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 was the case because it was a, a win. It was a high-profile game, and obviously it put UCLA back into the national spotlight. So on this episode of Locked on Bruins, we are going to highlight the game, but also look beyond the game and the lead-up as well. Welcome in to Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can hear me on Fox Sports Radio and am a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show. You heard Kosher Bruin provide his own two cents on a classic game that resonates with him. What about you? As you dig into your own memory and think about Bruin basketball games of the past that sit with you, give me some ideas of what those are because I'd love to spend an episode of each one of those games looking at them, glorifying them in all of their majesty. So that's a throw out to you. You can reach out to me via email, lockedonbruins at gmail.com or probably the best way to get in touch with me is through Twitter. My Twitter handle is Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y, F-E-N-L-E-Y. And don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this ever so blossoming and our followers and numbers are continuing to go up podcast in Locked On Bruins. So I, I want to begin with, with LSU. And, and here's a team that had not been to the national semifinals since 1986. It was a group that had been playing with a whole lot of purpose because it was only a couple of months before the Final Four when Hurricane Katrina had swept through Louisiana, devastating the state, the city of New Orleans, and it actually caused LSU to use their home arena as a station to treat patients who were impacted by the hurricane. And there was a court that was a practice court for LSU just off the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, which is the home arena, where it was set up in the aftermath as a temporary morgue. And there was a story that had come out from Glenn Davis, who was the hot commodity on this LSU team. He was the star, one of the stars on this team. And look, Glenn and his teammates and the LSU community, they all had firsthand accounts of the devastation that was taking place during those times. And they were trying to involve themselves in charitable means to help out right after all of this took place. And so the story was that Glenn Davis was trying to help administer some IV fluid to a patient, and while he is doing that and the fluids are pumping into the patient, the patient passes away. And so this resonated and stuck with Glenn Davis, but there were similar stories like this where players on this team were personally touched and affected by the horrors of Hurricane Katrina, and they used this as a source of motivation to give this state of Louisiana... Something to cheer about. They were full of depression. There was hopelessness 
all over the state. They needed something to root for. And that's where LSU came in. That basketball team that season, it brought a smile to a city in New Orleans, a city in Baton Rouge, a state in Louisiana that was in dire need of something happy to to cheer about. And what made it even easier for the locals to cheer on this LSU team was that seven of them were raised just 60 miles or less from the home arena. Six of them were from Baton Rouge. So this was a homegrown team, which one of them of a local product was Glenn Davis. He was a nine-year NBA veteran. We'll talk a lot about him in the game itself coming up in the next segment. But this guy went to University High School, which was on LSU's campus, and so did Garrett Temple. Now, that if that name sounds familiar, it should, because Garrett Temple is still in the NBA. But at the time of this season, he was a redshirt freshman. And, and then there was Tyrus Thomas. That might be another name that you have come across in your NBA fa- fanaticism. But this guy spent nine years also in the NBA, and after this season, he was the first, or excuse me, the fourth overall pick in the first round of that NBA draft, and he ended up getting sent to the Bulls in a draft day trade with LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, Tyrus Thomas and Glenn Davis, these guys were the two behemoths inside. They were the forces to be reckoned with in the paint. That is where LSU's offense was well established. Those two guys generated the lion's share of scoring output for this team. This was an LSU team that was not a whole lot when it came to shooting the three ball. Very little was relied on that. It was all about using their length, their physicality inside, Thomas and Davis, and also Garrett Temple was such a great defender. And Temple ended up holding J.J. Redick in the Sweet 16 to 11 points, drew his defensive assignment, which was 16 points below his average. Garrett Temple's dad was the first African-American to play basketball at LSU, but it was Temple who, and a lot of these guys grew up together on that, that LSU team. Temple and Tyrus Thomas were childhood friends, and they probably got to know each other around three or four years old, and not long after, Glenn Davis joined the picture. And so this was a team that played with so much purpose and played with so much pizzazz, and they had such a level of compassion for one another because they, so many of them grew up together. They were friends as children. And they played like they knew each other's game like no other because they had grown up with one another, had that chemistry, and it showed on the court. And it was something where they felt the temperature of the city and the fan base and that they knew that it was up to them to try to give them something proud, to to, to be proud about. And that's why these players really did know that they had a duty here to try to try to give this state something to, to back. And on the UCLA side, the star of this game 
would be Luke Richard Mbamute. And this guy led this game in points and rebounds as a freshman. He was a Cameroonian prince. And an interesting tidbit on him, he admitted to eating boa constrictor and said it tasted better than chicken. So there's that for an odd little nuance to this episode. All right, the next segment, we will address the game itself. How Mbamute was able to flourish and why LSU was not able from the start to give themselves a substantial chance or a credible chance to win this game. So let's dive into the game itself. Yes, UCLA coming in with an 11-game winning streak, and here's what they had. They had bigs, and their offense started out from the tip working that inside-out game. They would draw defenders inside, kick it back out. Jordan Farmar spots up for three, and he starts hitting them. You remember Lorenzo Mata had that mask on his face, the Bruin big? Yeah, he broke his nose a couple days ago at practice, and he was playing through that. Then there was what I thought a statement or a, a message sent that the Bruins had the upper hand when it came to ferocity, and that was when Aboya rejected a shot from an LSU Tiger, and the, you could hear the collective awe from the crowd there in Indianapolis. Then there was Luke Richard Mbamute, who was so good. He was so good. The turnover bug plaguing LSU, and you had Mbamute with the steal, and then there was him getting the ball and then just hustling down the court and slamming it down with authority. It was an emphatic jam in transition. Mbamute with another steal. This time he finds Darren Collison with the mid-range J. Once the Bruins started to push the ball up and down the court, utilize their fast break, their bigs on the LSU side could not catch up. You had Glenn Davis, who all he was known for is, all right, let's slow the offense down. Let's get our offense set. Work it to me in the paint. This guy is 6'9", over 300 pounds. All right, he is not made to go up and down, up and down, up and down the court quickly. And so he started to look fatigued. And the Bruins took advantage of that. And with the fatigue, it was shown in Davis's offensive repertoire because he missed so many shots around the rim, missing point blank, pushed around inside, he was out-muscled, and then when he got to the free-throw line, he was not good at converting at the line as well. And so the Bruins, with about five minutes left in the first half, were up 31-16. to LSU's passing was abominable. They had 10 turnovers in the first 16 minutes, and Mbamute was so good, deftly working around, or adeptly working around Big Baby to score at the goal. Big Baby, obviously, Glenn Davis. Hollins, you, you, you wondered, you were fearful that this would have been a problem because he only played six minutes in the first half with two fouls, but UCLA managed without him because of Mbamute, 17 points, 
nine rebounds for him in this game was so strong inside. There was the Hollins alley-oop catch and throwdown from the dish from Jordan Farmar. Put UCLA up by 20. Farmar keeps hitting from three. Big Baby, you could tell, was frustrated out there. There was one play where he seemingly tackled Darren Collison, and, and Glenn Davis started 2 of 12 from the field. Tyrus Thomas was limited as well. And look, it's the Thomas and Davis show. When they work that high-low game, they are inner forces to be reckoned with, and they were limited and held well below what we've come to be accustomed to to their kind of games. So you had Glenn Davis foul out with two minutes left, underperforming, and, and so did Thomas. That was tremendous towards UCLA winning. Also was the fact that LSU could not buy a three. This was an inexistent part of this game. And as much as Jordan Farmar kept making them, the Tigers had no answer from three-point territory. John Brady, the head coach for LSU afterwards, said the first 10 or 12 minutes of this game, his team was still thinking about their wins in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight and said that he thought that maybe they never got over those wins and could not refocus for the task at hand, which was a Final Four game against UCLA. Coming up next, we'll finish up with some other notes about this game, other comments from coaches in the postgame. This win against LSU brought the Bruins back to the NCAA championship game where they would hiccup against Florida. But it was the start of three straight trips to the Final Four for head coach Ben Hallen. And Hallen, after this game called his defense the best that they had played all season long. And he said that was the key and the only way his team had any shot of trying to beat the talented LSU group. Now, John Brady afterwards exclaimed that he had no idea in his wildest imagination that this team had the makings of one that could make the Final Four. He, he said the guys were just so happy to make it to the Final Four and to put it on for the city of New Orleans, the state of Louisiana, who had been struck with Hurricane Katrina, that he was just pleased to the core that the team was mostly you know from Louisiana. They played like they wanted to make that state proud, and they certainly left an indelible mark on that state and galvanized and made some smiles come out of a very depressing situation in Hurricane Katrina. The Bruins, as I said, would go on to lose in the championship game against Florida but they would come back into the Final Four two more consecutive years after that. Coming up next on the podcast, in our next episode, another friend of the show, David Hamilton. Love this guy. and We're on Twitter. We, we follow each other on Twitter. But this guy is a Bruin fanatic. He loves 
soaking up all the UCLA athletic content that is out there. He wanted me to talk about the loss to Liberty, which you could argue started to get the conversation going that Steve Alford probably wasn't going to last very much longer. And we'll look at that game against Liberty. Yes, it was a hard one to stomach because we lost, but it led us to something positive, and that is eventually getting Mick Cronin. So we will dig back to the Liberty game a couple years ago and show you how much better this team is and how much better of a state this program is since then. Thank you all for checking out Locked on Bruins. I hope you're all staying safe. We're all thinking about you, and I hope you can use this time to reflect on how, you know, Locked on Bruins is a good spot for you to take your mind off all of the the stresses that are going on on our globe right now. And for Locked on Bruins, can't thank you enough for checking this out. I'm Brian Fenley.